0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Silence is rare, isn't it? How often do you find yourself just sat in silence, like proper silence without any distraction at all, just so your, your thoughts kind of come to the surface. Silence is a pretty kind of rare phenomenon, especially in the modern world, especially at Christmas. There's loads coming at us at Christmas, isn't there? There's lots to think about, lots to talk about, lots of advertising that comes out of silence is pretty unusual. We uh, we last, last summer. I think it was or two summers ago. We had a holiday in Scotland, and we booked it fairly last minute on Airbnb, and it was one of those Airbnbs that look nice on your phone, but less nice actually physically in the room. And uh, we walked, and it was one of those in Scotland where you're driving and you watch your mobile phone signal slowly disappear. You go from 4G in the cities to 3G in the countryside and then you're in Scotland is no G. Uh, and the, the actual normal old school signal begins to drift away as well. You see the kids looking at their phones beginning to shake. The silence is coming upon them. We walked into the, this, what was their excuse for a cottage, there's a fine line between a cottage and a shed. And we walked in and both kids pointed at this thing in the corner and went, what is that? I'm like it's a TV, they're like, it's so thick. It was a really one old school big, curved, square screen, old kind of telly that weighed an absolute ton. That you had turned it on and it had to warm up for like five minutes. And when you turned it off, disappeared to a little dot in the middle. And they, they were like, What is it? And you couldn't get any. So we were stood on chairs in the in the yard, me trying to get football scores, the kids trying to have any contact with the world outside. Silence is quite hard to deal with sometimes isn't it but actually silence can be quite useful as well it is revealing actually reveals perhaps where your thoughts go to perhaps even maybe what you're a little bit dependent on reveals maybe in those moments of quiet what is most important to you it can quickly comes to mind doesn't it and silence often means waiting doesn't it sometimes you're waiting just for the silence to end So about this time last year, I had to have a tooth out, and uh, I was waiting for two days for the dentist to phone me back. And it was that sort of tooth pain that kind of encapsulates your whole head. It was throbbing with this tooth pain, and that was a very long two days. Just all they needed to do was phone me back and say, come in, and that took them two days, apparently. Um, And that was a silence that I desperately wanted to end, the silence of the dentist. And the point we're going to find ourselves today... In the beginning of Luke, Israel was in the silence of God. They'd heard nothing from God for years, hundreds of years, actually. No prophets to speak of, really. No no beautiful Psalms written. There was no pillar of cloud or fire for them to follow. There was nothing. They sat in the silence of God's. And actually, Israel had been in exile in Babylon and had returned in parts, really, that, but they never became much of an autonomous nation again. The, the glory of the days of David or Solomon were a distant memory, really, history, really. They told stories about it. The relationship that perhaps uh, Moses had with God or Elijah had with God also were faint memories. They existed at that moment in the silence of God. And at, right at the beginning of Luke, we find that the silence begins to break. And so we're just going to work our way through a piece of Luke this morning, Luke 1, and we'll start in verse 5. It will appear behind me. Thanks very much, guys. But if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along as well. And it says In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the, uh, of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So Zechariah and Elizabeth knew the silence of God actually. Zechariah was a priest, so he would have understood the hundreds of years of silence that Israel were experiencing. They, they lived in that. As the priests, they would have read about the priests of old who heard from God very clearly and of the prophets, and they knew they weren't experiencing that. And actually, Elizabeth as well came from a family of priests, from the daughters of Aaron, one of the great priestly families. And so she would have known the same. She would have understood theologically the point in time they were in, the silence That they were in. But not only that, they knew the silence of gods in their own lives. Simply, they couldn't have children. Their house was the quietest house on the streets. For years, no kids at all. They would have watched their friends, perhaps their family uh, have kids, uh, go through that time of pregnancy and then birth and then watch the kids grow up and perhaps the kids then got old and then got jobs themselves and they would have watched that whole process of life and yet they'd have lived in the quiet of their own house. They would have also perhaps known that silence, that social silence that falls on a group of people who are talking about you and then see you coming and then suddenly go quiet and then somebody tries to change the subjects. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, a very awkward silence. And they would have known as well the silence of unanswered prayers, a lifetime of unanswered prayer. I think they would have prayed that God would speak to their nation, that God would break in and move, that he would send the Messiah, actually, that the prophets had talked about as they uh, as they read their Bible. They would have prayed for those things to happen and they would have prayed as well, God, give us kids. We really want children. Would you do that for us, Lord? But Luke says, they were righteous <laughs> and they walked blamelessly before God. So they walked in the law. In their silence, they were obedient to God's and they trusted God. And perhaps actually this morning, you know a little bit of that silence. Perhaps that sense of, uh, I'm desperate to hear from God's. Perhaps it's the silence of an illness that you haven't recovered from. Perhaps the silence of an unfulfilled promise. Perhaps the silence of a difficulty in family life. A silence of a hope that hasn't come true. And perhaps in that silence, you know something of, what Zechariah and Elizabeth went through. You you know the patience and the the waiting that is required in that. Perhaps in that silence as well, you know the anguish that they undoubtedly felt, the unresolved staying unresolved. And Luke is telling us a story about silence and about how the silence was going to end. If we go to verse eight, it says, now now, while he, that Zechariah, was serving as priest before God, to go into the holy place to, to light incense. Uh, and so he was doing that. Uh, and as he walked into that room, uh, he would have looked up and seen a massive curtain. Okay? There was a huge curtain in that ho- in, in the, uh, the holy place because it separated off from the most holy place, And only the chief priest went in there once a year. So he wasn't going in there. He was looking up at this uh, big curtain. And in the most holy place, that's where the presence of God was uh, supposed to be. In the old temple before this one, that's where the Ark of the Covenant would have been. That's where the law that God wrote on tablets of stone and gave to Moses, they would have all been in there as well. That was the most holy place in all of creation was there. And Zechariah was stood just outside of that. And as he stands there, he looks up, sees a curtain, also sees an angel, huge angel stood there. Now, it's interesting that as he stood outside that most holy place, he's somewhat separated from the presence of God, even by being stood there. And also outside in another room, further out from him, it describes a a multitude of people that are praying. And it's just an interesting thing that Luke throws in. And why why would he mention that? Well, I think Zechariah and the people outside, we're supposed to see them as not quite in the presence of God. They're outside, both of them. Yet they are both in their own way praying. Zechariah is burning incense. It's an offering to God. It's a beginning of a conversation with God. It's what they did. And the people outside also were praying as well. And I think Luke is saying, look, when you pray, God hears you. Even if you feel that sense of, I'm removed uh, there's something blocking me from God that's what it feels like this big curtain or for the people they're not even in the the centre of the temple they're on the outsides uh, God is behind other walls but God is saying actually when you pray I hear you and so this angel appearing not in the most holy place but in the holy place uh, a bit further out is God taking a step forward towards them saying, actually I'm I'm coming towards you in that moment. And when we pray, actually, it's important to remember that God hears what we're saying. It doesn't always feel like that. It's so knucklehead and obvious, isn't it? But when we pray, even in the silence of our prayers, or if you're praying first thing in the morning in your tiredness of your prayers, and you're thinking, all I'm doing is thinking about drinking this coffee and seeing if I can string a sentence together before God's, whatever it might be, or in the middle of the night when your kids have woken you or on your commute to work or whatever it is, Actually, in those moments, God hears what we say. It may feel like a silence. It may feel like sometimes we're on the outside, like maybe even that God is a bit removed from us in those moments. But when we pray and when we gather as a people and pray, actually, God hears us. And in this situation, He breaks the silence. And silence breaking can be quite a shock, can be quite shocking. And uh, an angel at this point breaks hundreds of years of silence. Uh, and I, I feel like there's a tension in how Luke writes this. I just think it's a, he, he kind of writes it so matter-of-factly, but it's almost like there is a pause there. you see Zechariah walking into the room, just stopping dead. And like, what is that? It's an angel. And he says he was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Uh, it's not unsurprising, is it? It's, not, it's a very unusual thing to happen. It's, not, it's normal to be visited by an angel. And we will see this angel, he will appear uh, a few times at the beginning of Luke. But it is not a normal phenomenon. And so the angel says to him what most angels seem to say. It says, look, do not be afraid because Zechariah is probably struggling to put the world together at the moment as to what's going on. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son and you shall call his name John. So the silence is broken and and the angel goes on to explain a few things, to explain who this John kid is going to be. And he actually says, look, he's going to be a prophet like Elijah, one of the great prophets, maybe the greatest prophet. And he's going to be like him. Uh, because of his ministry, because John will be filled with the Holy Spirit, many in Israel are going to come back to God. You'll see a, a great revival, which actually is better than Elijah did. Elijah didn't see that happen. Uh, many people will come back to God's. Uh, and also, not only that, he will prepare the people to meet the Lord. He will point people to this Messiah that is going to come. And to be fair to Zechariah at that moment, it's quite a lot to take in. Let's, let, let's be fair to him because uh, it's quite easy in these situations to take them apart and talk about their lack of faith. But you, an angel is talking to you. That's point one to take in. In fact, oh, there's an angel there. He's now talking to me. He's telling me I'm going to have a son, uh, but I'm really old. And he's telling me now this son is going to be one of the greatest prophets ever, that there'll be a revival, that he's going to point to the living God who's going to come back. That is a lot to take in. And in verse 18, Zechariah replies and he says, how shall I know this? Like an angel standing there wasn't enough. For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So Zechariah reacts like so many have before him and since, and perhaps like some of us would react as well. He reacts in fear and some skepticism. Uh, The silence has ended For himself, the things that he has prayed for, for his own family, for his nation, he's been spoken to at this moment by an angelic being sent from God explaining this is what's going to happen. And in that moment, all he can do is reflect on his own inadequacies, on his own limitations. He's not thinking, oh, God can do anything. This is the God I believe in. He's thinking, I'm really old. This seems quite unlikely. He's thinking his limitations limit God and sometimes in our in our impatience as we wait in our anguish actually it's quite easy just to flip and focus in on ourselves perhaps in our own inability to resolve a situation uh, to bring the change that we want to see happen. Uh, perhaps in those moments when we, we can't hear from gods perhaps it's because we are caught up in our limitations. We can't see what is possible in him like Zechariah. Zechariah didn't quite believe the words of an angel. Now I don't know about you but if there have been times in life where you're wanting for God to speak or you're wanting some wisdom on something or a big decision or you don't know what to do or uh, you just you're in a situation that you don't like and you want God to move and speak. I don't know if ever like me you've thought God if you if you somehow I don't know, sent an angel or or somehow supernaturally would would say something to me. uh, If that happens, my faith will be nailed on then. I would absolutely believe everything and I would not panic or think about it at all anymore. I would follow you with great ease. Well, as we read the story of the Bible, we see that's not true, unfortunately. The human heart actually is broken. The human heart is desperate for God. So desperate for God, we make new gods. But often we can't see God when he's right up close and with us. And verse 19, the angel answered him and said, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. So the silence has been broken. God is speaking to his nation. God is speaking to Zechariah as well. God is answering all sorts of questions uh, which are just astounding, which if Zechariah could get out and tell people would be an amazing thing. But in the silence being broken, he's decided to restore the silence. An amazing thing has been revealed to him. But actually, his lack of faith is a problem in this moment. Where his heart is at is a problem in this moment. So Gabriel solves the problem by restoring the silence, by making Zechariah mute and probably deaf as well. And it's a sign to him, it's a sign to Zechariah, actually, uh, you will live in this silence, you will know what this feels like. Uh, But it also prevents him from really messing things up, making life very difficult, perhaps for other people and for himself. His silence means he can't tell anyone anything. That's what it means. He's had this incredible revelation and now it's just in his own head. He can't do a thing about it. He can't even tell his wife they're going to have kids. Nothing. He can't do a thing. And he comes out of the holy place and all he can do is make gestures. It's the first incident of playing charades at Christmas, perhaps. All he can do (laughs) is wave his hands around. There's nothing he can do. And even when he goes home to Elizabeth, he can't explain. We're going to have kids. Nothing like that. He cannot explain, look, this angel appeared to me. We'll have kids. Also, this kid's going to go off and do amazing stuff. Nothing, just his own silence. Probably he can't hear either. We go to verse 24 and Elizabeth appears in our story. It says, After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people so elizabeth falls pregnant and hides effectively for 5 months she she's so overwhelmed by what god has done by the the breaking of the silence by the fact that she's now carrying a baby the things that she'd hoped for for so long uh, and now she hides uh, and it's perhaps difficult for us westerners to understand but there is no welfare state at this point in history so having a family actually is how people would think that these people are going to look after me. My kids will look after me when I get older. Okay? When I am no longer able to earn money, they will be able to earn money and support each other. The family units worked in that particular way. So for Elizabeth, there is so much loaded on this baby. And as she hides herself away, she worships. She is thanking God that she will no longer be an outsider. We've seen as Zechariah is the outsider, even in the temple, he's slightly on the outside of the most holy place. The people that are praying, they were outsiders as well. And Elizabeth feels the reproach, she says, of people. She was the outsider. When people saw her come in, perhaps it was the outsider, being an outsider because of their pity. Poor Elizabeth, can't have a baby. But Zechariah and Elizabeth have both encountered God's. They are hearing God move really quite dramatically. They are seeing him move. They are seeing the evidence of God at work in their lives. And both of them have absolutely no idea how to react in that moment. One of them doubts. The other one hides. This is, it's just coming at them so fast here. And I love that God picks these two people. Clearly godly. Described as godly. Clearly terrified in the moment. Insecure, preoccupied with what's going to happen to them. All very human reactions. (coughs) And then the silence is broken again. John is born. And the neighbours and relatives are there and they rejoice and they're gathering together. And when John is eight days old, they gather to circumcise him and they're about to name him Zechariah. They're going to name him after his dad. It seems like the reasonable thing to do. I imagine it's fairly common and it's a very big moment. I love the fact all of the, the neighbours and family are there and they feel like they've got naming rights over this child. You imagine bringing home your newborn child and your neighbour coming round going, yep, it's definitely a Barry. Just call it Barry. <laughs> calling it. But this is what's happening here. They're all gathered rounds and they're going to call him Zechariah. And Elizabeth says, no, he should be called John. So Elizabeth has clearly heard from God on this because Zechariah can't tell her. And there's a lot of confusion. Why do you want to call him John? Why, why John? And so they start waving at Zechariah, try to get his attention. What do you want to call him? And Zechariah just writes, his name is John. So he had sat in silence for months. And I wonder if people had begun to get you know, a bit bored of it, a bit of compassion fatigue. The, uh, the, this incredible thing happened to him. Now he's mute. And then after a while, they just, he's just the guy who doesn't say anything. He can't hear anything. You just start ignoring him. He was sitting in the silence again. I wonder if he knew some of the social exclusion in that moment that his wife had known for years. At that point in history, if a, a couple couldn't have kids, it was always the woman's fault. So I wonder if in those moments he knew that silence. We jump forward to verse 64, Luke one sixty-four. It says, Immediately his mouth was opened, this is Zechariah, his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God's. God breaks the silence. To do what? Well, actually, it's our time of year for thinking about this, but actually this is uh, for us to live by. God breaks his silence to bring salvation, to bring change to the world, to actually restore it back to what he intended, to actually lead us back into his presence. And Zechariah, as he can now speak, prophesies. In verse 67, it says his father, so Zechariah's position in the world has changed already. He's no longer just Zechariah. He's actually just the dad of John who's uh, such a big deal. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old." that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies must serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, this is John, will be called the prophet of the Most High for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God's whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And Suddenly this little family, brand new little family, an eight day old little boy, with the parents who feel too old to be woken in the nights, find themselves in the middle of God's great plan for the world. In all of their normalness, in all of their failings, in all of Zechariah's stumbling faith, in all of Elizabeth's being terrified, in all of those things, as well as their faithfulness and their godliness, they find themselves in the middle of God's plan. They are a family now pointing towards Jesus. And this Jesus, as Zechariah describes, actually brings salvation, shows mercy. He forgives us of our sins and not only that, he defeats death as well. About 2,000 years later, we live in a silence of sorts. We are waiting for Jesus to return, for him to come back to actually restore the universe, to advance his kingdom to completion, to bring all of humanity back into relationship with God. We wait in those moments. There's big cosmic silence. But as well, you may too be sitting in the silence of unanswered prayer, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, of broken relationships, perhaps, or unfulfilled hope, or whatever it might be. Perhaps you feel that silence. You feel like you're, you're waiting on God, waiting for him to restore.